we're back. Yes, that little hiatus turned into 10 months, but it's all over because we've both seen Avengers Endgame and we got to talk about it. Welcome to Totally Sort of the Podcast. It's sort of like a review show and totally like catching up with your best friend. I'm Darren. And I'm Chris. We'll let you know what you totally need to check out and what is sort of worth skipping. And this week, it's all about Avengers Endgame. Yeah, you kind of uh, led with the uh, the headline and the uh, little intro, but uh, we've been gone for a long time, and what we probably should be doing is catching up on the things that we've done, but there's something big we need to talk about, and you said it up front, it's Endgame. Yeah, we just decided uh, just to kind of get back on uh, back on our game we would just gush about something that that we both love i think one of our favorite episodes from the first season was raving about infinity war so it only suits that uh, we start this one off with endgame yeah is it going to be raving again for you maybe not quite as enthusiastic rave but yeah i i loved it it was great yeah me too so i saw it sunday of the opening weekend when did you see it same here i I wanted to get out and see it before i had anything spoiled and actually that was one of my favorite things about it was how fresh and unexpected the whole thing was did you manage to get in to see it spoiler free uh, without having heard or had anybody leak stuff to you i i mean i knew there would be some character deaths that really i i couldn't call a spoiler so yeah i think i was completely spoiler free yeah me too i Somebody had said something about the death of someone, but I, that was not a big surprise to me that someone was going to die, and they hadn't said who, so... Yeah. This is not going to be a spoiler-free discussion of Endgame, which we should probably say up front. Right, right. Run away. Run away if you don't want to be spoiled, because, uh, yeah, that's that's the fun part. And probably it's going to be, like, you know, close to a week after release by the time this thing gets out there, and if you haven't seen it in a week, well, come on. Somebody else has probably spoiled it for you anyways. Yeah, if you haven't seen it within a week, you're probably not at all interested in listening to our podcast You're probably a terrible human being. (laughs) (laughs) Or just have a life. One of these things. Could be that. I actually made some notes, and I had so many little points I wanted to talk about. I almost thought about putting them into a top ten. I'm going to just start off, and let's just go back and forth with some things we liked. Talking about spoilers, one of the things I really liked was that the trailer didn't spoil anything yeah for sure this is a very minor thing but i love when i get to like that 20 40 minute point in a movie i don't know how early it was felt like fairly early in the movie when i realized i'd seen every scene from the trailer already and the whole movie was still up but you know yet to come and i had no idea what was going to happen i love that feeling yeah the movie really was sort of the traditional three-act structure like, and the trailer showed you nothing that wasn't in the first act. Yeah. I Overall, I, I, I loved the arc and, and the flow of the movie a lot. Um, I found the... I, I was so in the moment. I was so caught up in what was happening. I wasn't analyzing anything. I wasn't second-guessing anything or, or trying to predict um, some, you know, fairly actually, in hindsight, obvious beats or, or plot points came as 
just fun surprises to me, like Captain Marvel showing up to save the day. Things like that, because I was just so in the moment, I wasn't thinking ahead, and, and uh, everything felt new and surprising. It was great that way. I thought it had really good flow all the way through. It uh, didn't really feel like a three-hour movie, except for how much I had to go to the bathroom by the end. <laughs> It really is, uh, I don't know if it was like a self-fulfilling prophecy or what, because I'm sure I've seen many three-hour movies in the theater, and, and yeah, I uh, I had a bad case of the need to pee in that one. Um, yeah, I like that, uh, you know, we kind of got a almost a denouement for the first one, for the from Infinity War for the first bit of the movie, and um, then it moved into this whole caper thing that was surprisingly good. I was so caught up in that, I, I just had kind of almost forgotten they need to do some giant big epic battle and so when we got to that point it's like right on yeah what i really liked is that i know this is the second part of a two-part movie but when you looked at that film and what i already mentioned the three act structure you really could have made three movies out of that if you really were wanted to do this sort of cynical, like, let's break The Hobbit into three films, let's break mm-hmm. the last book of Harry Potter into two films, there really were three movies in there. There was that denouement from the first movie, and, the, you know, uh, they kill Thanos in the first 10, 15 minutes of the movie, and yeah. you could have turned that whole hunt to find him into a full movie. You could have turned the caper into a full movie and you could have turned like the end game battle into a full movie and they didn't. Then they found a way to make it all fit together. Yeah, I think it, they did a very good job of packing a lot of story in but having the whole thing be a, a really satisfying package, like enjoyable to watch but also just it felt like a great cap to the Avengers movies, and it felt like a great cap to the first 20, 21 or 22 uh, MCU 22. movies. The other thing I really have to rave about before we get into kind of all the geeky details, the actual story was pretty damn good. Like, that was pretty solid. Yeah, I thought so too. You know that the caper part was really like an Ant-Man film. Like both, not not in that it mm-hmm. was just about Ant Man, but if both Ant Man and Ant Man and the Wasp were caper films, very much in the in the in the same way that that center section of the story was. Yeah, which is something we really haven't seen in in a big ensemble in any of the Avengers movies yet. So that was kind of felt new and fresh, and yet the stakes were high. Um, I thought it was great that just that whole part of the story was interesting enough and made sense enough within the context like telling these big sprawling dozens of character stories is hard enough in comics and it's even harder in movies and i thought they actually told a pretty compelling story with a good wrinkle in it that thanos found out moving on from there like i just thought you know within the the expectations of a comic book movie that was a pretty good story just uh to go back when we talked about infinity war one of the things that you really enjoyed about it was the way they sort of touched every character and you felt mm-hmm. like you got to spend time with all of them. Did you think they did the as good a job with this one as with as in Infinity War? That's a tough one to answer. I guess short answer, no. Uh, but I think I don't think they needed to as much. I think this one was a little bit more just like name dropping and cameos and, and just kind of the spectacle of everybody is there. But I thought they, they did do a good job of giving the people who needed to have depth and have some uh, emphasis you know we got 
some good resolution to Cap and and Tony. Um, loved the I loved Rocket and Fat Thor. Fat Thor was one of my <laughs> other favorites. I'm I'm glad that they didn't abandon that. Like I, they could have re- easily had him, you know, hold up his hammer and and go back to to shredded Thor, but they didn't. They they pretty much you know carried it right through. That was great. Yeah, all the lightning did was uh, tidy up his tidy up and braid his beard it didn't take away his beard exactly maybe you know kind of suctioned him into some uh form-fitting armor that you know somewhat constrained his girth he looked a lot like uh volstag actually from the war he did yeah he still looked huge though even in like they didn't put him in like sort of the batman uh form-fitting skin tight suit to hide it like he was still intending to look like i'm big uh big saggy thor yeah yeah no that was a great reveal uh how about you what was uh what was uh some of your favorite points i thought that in a movie that if to a large extent and it, certainly in the third act is about spectacle of the huge battle that inevitably takes place mm-hmm. that some of the the quieter moments were the ones that uh, really stuck with me and uh, i'm gonna start right at the very beginning because i mean i'm probably in line with everybody else that thought that Hawkeye was underutilized or just not an interesting character through most of these films. Yeah. And when I saw that opening scene, like suddenly I, it, it just hit me. Right. And so you see him and his family disappears and they, he turns around and everyone's gone. And I was just like, he lost everything yeah. and it was just like oh and then they, to then to go from that sort of cold open into the movie it was like i was there with hawkeye and then they built more character for him in this film than they did in all of the films that he was previously in and some of it was sort of comic deep cuts because as soon as they said that bit about uh all the cartel members being yeah. killed i was like oh my god he's ronin oh you hadn't picked that up from the trailer no no, oh, I, I actually I didn't even watch all the trailers because I was worried about as they got longer and more in depth, I sort of stopped watching them. There were there were a couple of shots of uh, he and Matt meeting up with with him as Ronan that you know if you knew that from the that reference from the books you would yeah. it was pretty obvious. But yeah, I thought um, that was a really powerful early scene. Uh, a because it established Hawkeye in a great way, but it also also kind of was a great reminder and way to remind the audience about the snap and also to make them realize this wasn't just half the superheroes that he killed this was half the universe yeah no that was a great uh great element i loved uh, a couple of things during the the time heist segment i loved the cap on cap fight um yeah just for some of the the subtle callbacks, but it wasn't belabored. It was just really intense and, and, and fast. But also just a little segment of how the Stark section of that plan went wrong. Like when a plan goes wrong is always the best part of a, of a heist movie. And, and that was a great little little bit that seemed like they were going to pull it off and then no it just went to shit that was great <laughs> and it's like the completely ridiculousness of them not letting hulk in the elevator that leads <laughs> yeah. to the it, I, I loved uh throughout <laughs> all of those segments of the heist yeah like each of the segments that they sent them on were callbacks to earlier movies right mm-hmm. and like just the way you got to see 
scenes that you didn't get to see in the movies like what happened after loki said maybe i'll have that drink you get to now go back and go back to the original avengers movie and and spend a little more time in there and the elevator scene with captain america which was right out of winter soldier which is still uh, i think this movie may have supplanted it but uh it was that's my favorite of all the marvel films and then the the captain america billy you think oh okay i'm gonna get to see this fight in the elevator again and then captain america just goes hail hydra and uh, it's just like, oh, that was so good. And they yeah. just give them back, you know. And they, there are so many callback touches to all of the previous movies uh, throughout this film. Some of them, like, super subtle, like uh, the kid at the funeral at the end that nobody recognized. Yeah, I had to Google him. But the kid is, it turned is, out to be the kid the, from Iron Man 3. And then the the hamburger reference with uh, Favreau yep. at the end with the little girl from when Tony Stark comes back in the original Iron Man and uh, says he just wants a cheeseburger. That was great too, like the sort of bookends of the series because this whole thing started because of Favreau's Iron Man. Without that, you get nowhere in yeah. this whole Marvel universe. The way for DC, it was supposed to be the original Man of Man of Steel was supposed to be the launching point and it never took off <laughs> and they just never got it together after then. Like if if he had fumbled with Iron Man, I don't know that we'd be here. And yeah. so you've got the first Iron Man movie with Favreau directing and that cheeseburger line and then it basically ends with Favreau sitting there on the on the couch with the same line with the Tony Stark's daughter. It was just like uh, so for me, although like a lot of the spectacle was huge in this movie some of those small moments were just so good and i i can't i have to mention the other when cap is in that office in the old shield headquarters and he looks at sees his picture and he looks up and sees peggy in the next room yeah. it was just so good yeah i agree i i loved uh, a lot of those quiet beats um and also not necessarily just the the kind of quiet moments but um in terms of characters, I, I really have to single out. In the last one, I think we talked, we both talked about how great Josh Brolin was as Thanos and how great the CGI was and the fact that the performance in the CGI was good enough to get you past the fact that he's a big purple scrotum-chinned uh, dude and actually believe and care about him as a character. And I was glad to see that the performance was still up to snuff in this one and I felt... A real high point for me was uh, the Professor Hulk fusion of Banner and Hulk into one intelligent speaking Hulk. Um, It let you appreciate Ruffalo and the Hulk together at the same time, and that was an absolute high point for me in this movie, uh, was just the character work of of, uh, Ruffalo as Hulk. I like that aspect too, but I did want to see Hulk just smash something. Yeah, something big, right? And I think even a little more of him in that final battle, but I mean, he was already bashed up by that. I just, you know, as I don't know if this is the last we see of Hulk. I think Ruffalo is supposed to be around for a couple more movies and I hope so, but in a thing that sort of felt like the passing on from the first wave of Avengers to the next one. I had no problem with the intelligent Hulk and the mm-hmm. Ruffalo uh, banner Hulk combo. I just wanted at least something where sure. you just get to see him Hulk out. Sure. No, that's fair. Another uh, kind of surprise for me was uh, Nebula. I would like, she really had a lot of emotion going on and I was really quite 
wrapped up in her story. I was just surprised that when I thought back about what did I really like about it, it's like, wow, she was, you know, just the way in the last one, they really kind of made it about um, Thanos and Gamora. Uh, I really felt for Nebula in this one. Yeah, for sure. And I like that they built her up a character and then provided a means that makes sense for her to still stick around in the story. Yeah, totally. I'm I'm happy to see her as one of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Or the sure. Asgardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> Circling back to Thanos a little bit, one thing that I, I really enjoyed in this one is that because they've done so much great character work in Infinity War, they left a little bit more room for uh, Thanos to just be a villain in this one. And a great villain, and a mean villain, and nasty at times, and scary. I think he was a more you know villainous villain this time around but because we had such a great intro to him in the last movie uh they didn't need to dwell on the the personality ticks as much and it really let him kind of just be a more traditional villain and, and still in a very satisfying way yeah i would agree with that the acting for him was excellent the they still wrote the character for him very very well i mean that scene at the end where he realizes he's defeated and he just sits down and waits to fade away was i don't know it kind of yeah. yeah so i guess um moving into that final battle it's funny one of the few um things or moments uh, maybe the only moment in the movie that i was kind of um disappointed or not excited or whatever when it was just setting up for that big epic battle, um, I had a moment of kind of, I think it was when Thanos' troops were landing and there were just hordes of them pouring out of the ships and, and there were, you know, there was a, those cool gorilla kind of things. and But still, there was a little bit of me that was thinking, okay, well, here comes the big CGI Peter Jackson-style battle. Um, and I, that was the only point at which I lost faith, but almost you know, within a couple of moments, things were happening and it was very character driven again and plot driven again. And I didn't have any problem. I love that whole segment, but I was skeptical. I thought it was going to be just kind of noise and fury, but it was great. It was great. I literally at, uh, I think well, I know when it was, cause we, we talked about like sort of highlight moments of the movie for us, but when they did the whole scene with Spider-Man um, grabbing the gauntlet and swinging and people picking him up and him being ca- gathered and yeah. picked up and dry and carried around by one person after the other. Well, that, I was that like, whole relay, like it, it wasn't even just the Spidey section of that. It started yeah. with, with uh, T'Challa, I think, and then to Spidey and then to uh, Valkyrie. And yeah, that was, that was awesome. And, and for me, I was just like, I, I think I I literally had like tears running down my eyes and I was just like, you know, I thought they'd given me the closest thing to a comic book brought to life in a movie in the last one, but this is it. Like I've never seen, who would have ever thought in my lifetime that I would have seen that, like that was a scene straight out of a comic book that you could do over multiple pages suddenly yep. brought to life on screen with all of the same characters that you would want to see in it. And I was like, you know, they, they, they this is it. You know? Yeah. I, I don't know who to really uh, credit for the overall, just 
I guess cinematography, I don't know if it's the directors or, or who is setting up and, and storyboarding those shots, but, you know, there were some lot, nice long shots of like three or four people hammering on Thanos that could have just been, you know, a panel from a comic. Um, and like you described, the whole relay of uh, trying to run the gauntlet away from Thanos, that was just like so so nicely so energetic and and still so clear to follow what was happening that was just fantastic all right are we just going to keep uh keep touting this movie or do you uh, have anything you want to complain about well i have a couple of little little geeky call outs that uh i i just wanted to shout out to um that were just little silly things that made me happy um, okay one was captain america's suit if you're a longtime comic fan, you know that they always drew Cap as if he wasn't just wearing spandex. There were these little, little uh, squiggly lines in the art to indicate that it was actually like chain mail. Yeah. That was some sort of nod to the fact that yeah, he's not that tough. He needs some sort of protection before they got into the you know the the movie era of these this body armor stuff. And I really liked that his suit in this had that kind of scaly look as if it was chain mail. It wasn't. It was still, you know, just plastic movie armor. But it looked like that, and I that that kind of made me happy. My second little comic book call-out that I thought was just fantastic was... It's funny, it wasn't a literal thing, but uh, when Thanos destroyed the whole Avengers complex and they're all buried underneath rubble and the Hulk is kind of holding things up to, to save the people immediately around him, was uh, a, a call out to the cover of Secret Wars number four, which uh, I'll, I'll post the image, but it's basically the whole cover is like all the superheroes are being crushed by like the weight of the world and the Hulk is holding up basically the world to keep everyone from being crushed. Uh, it's, a, it's a very iconic cover and there's a second Hulk cover that that one was kind of referencing, which was just the Hulk sort of hunched over with like you know some enormous weight on his back and uh it's just a very kind of iconic hulk image and i like that they decided to 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 throw that in nice how about you any uh specific references or easter eggs you like everybody i'm sure felt it in the moment but when the the hammer comes flying in and hits thanos when he's completely involved with thor and that second where you know somebody else has picked up the hammer and you know it's Captain America and then when they turn around and you see the hammer come back into his hand it was like just wanted to like cheer like yes yeah <laughs> like that to me is just a testament to what a great job they've done over the years with these movies because there are things that if this was a first time seeing these characters in a movie um, they broke canon they broke comic book canon in so many ways but in the context of the the movies, I don't have a problem with any of them because they built them all up and they they're all fine and good. So yeah, that was that was an awesome moment. Absolutely, for me, the this span and the care and attention that has gone into twenty two movies to get to this point has built a canon that I can live with um, and that I enjoy. It has enough of the stuff that I love from the comics that if you want to weave a new story i'm okay and uh, I, they just totally sold me on it at some point because for me before almost every superhero movie would be me uh figuring out which parts i was upset that they 
changed from the comic books. Mm -hmm. Like almost every superhero movie I'd seen before that, it would be, you know, it would have been better had they done this. It would have been better had they just stuck with the story as it was. And they took so much care and attention over the span of these movies that I think they just built a new canon that I could live with. Yeah, because, I mean, really, that's a great point because, um, you know, the, the changes they make, it's usually like, yeah, that works. Yeah, I'm good with that. Yeah, that was a good call. Mm -hmm. So I guess we should uh, try and balance this out with any nitpicks or, or things that didn't quite work for you. I, I think that the big one is that any time you do time travel as part of, of your central plot line, you're going to wind up with plot holes that that just sure. that just are right yeah and so for me the big one is they kind of set up their own rule there, there was the whole joke about back to the future mm -hmm. and bill and ted's excellent adventure that oh you can just go back and change the past and that changes the present they kind of set the rules that no that's not the case right that was yeah. their that's why they had to go back and get the stones and bring them here and do a thing they just couldn't go back and stop thanos from getting them sure so I don't, maybe it's just me, but I don't understand how Captain America then goes back in time, <laughs> lives a life, and still winds up in our world as an old man, having never done the things. It, yeah. I, like, I can't wrap my head around how that works. And also, if he goes back in time, the original him is there. So does he go kill Steve Rogers back there and take his place? Or are there two Captain Americas? And, like, I can't get my head around how that works. Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't get into the whole um, time travel conundrums, conundra, in my nitpick list, just because I, I, I liked the way they kind of said, screw that, like, everything you know about time travel from movies is bullshit. Uh, and I just decided to not care about that stuff during the movie. And I haven't really, yep. I haven't really gone back and said, well, if this, then that. Uh, yeah. I'd actually like to hear the Hulk's speech from that piece again, because I think it, it was really smart, but I didn't, I didn't remember it specifically. Yeah. He's like, you can't you go, go back yeah, in time yeah. to change the past because that's because the future is now your past. And I don't know. It sounded really yeah. smart in the moment. Yeah, it's just and and you know what that didn't bother me at all in the movie and I just loved the whole idea that they let Captain America go back and be with Peggy and grow old and during the course of the movie I was totally okay with it. It didn't bother me. Right. I didn't overthink it and then I started thinking, well, they did set some rules. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know how that fits the rule. It's, you know, it, but it, for me it's like I don't know if it's it's nitpicky, but it's also it's a as I said, as soon as you start talking about time travel, there are going to be holes and difficulties trying to explain how things happen. Because if you have the alternative rule that you can go back and change the future, then, you know, how yeah. how messed up are things going to be or how do you explain? So, yeah, I don't know. I would uh, maybe just leave it behind and be happy as I was when I saw the film that Captain America got the life he deserved. Yeah, for but sure. That, uh, once I started thinking about it, I was just like, damn, it doesn't seem to work for me. <laughs> Two or three things that, that they were more like, um, none of them really bothered me at the time. All the, the, the closest thing I had to a problem with it while I was watching it was I was 
just a little disappointed that Captain Marvel didn't get a little bit more development. Um, she obviously got a great role. Like she had a very kind of deus ex machina role to play. And I think it's a, it speaks well to how, how engaged I was with the battle that I had almost forgotten that she need, she was still on deck to come back and save the day. So that when she did, I was like, Oh fuck. Yeah, that's awesome. But you know, and she had a great little battle with, uh, with Thanos, but, uh, you know, I like that they established that she had a sense of purpose that was bigger than Earth. That was kind of nice. But I don't feel like we really got too much more Carol Danvers. I know there's a ton to fit in, but I, you know, I was a little disappointed it didn't, like, really elevate my appreciation of her that much. Yeah, when I asked you earlier if you thought all the characters got enough attention in this film, that's the one I was thinking of, that... You never really got anything from her, and it just made her kind of seem arrogant and distant, like some of the conversations earlier. Mm-hmm. And then, and then she just comes in as sort of the overwhelming force that they need at various moments. It's a, it's a really interesting parallel to the way Superman really is in team books in uh, in DC. Just that you know, kind of operating on her own power level and maybe to some even a little bit arrogant, not that Superman is, but um, I don't know. I mean, it'll be interesting if they do another Avengers team movie anytime soon, if they kind of play on that with uh, maybe, maybe she rubs people the wrong way for that. You know, it could be interesting. Yeah. Skylar said, I don't really know why you need everybody else. If you have Captain Marvel, she's just too overpowered and it's not really fun to that's the, that's the Superman does. issue, right? It is, right? If you've got Superman, why do you need anybody why else? Why is Superman teaming up with Batman? Yeah. <laughs> it's like gods and ants. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have another one. And this this was something I was actually, that I just couldn't get out of my mind through as I was watching it, rather than something that came afterwards, was Thanos was just too tough. And I realized you've got to have a big final battle, but... The Thanos that they fought in that big battle at the end there had no gauntlet, no infinity stones. And he went toe to toe with all of them and was like, he beat down Thor, Iron Man and Captain America at the beginning, no infinity stones. They almost defeated him twice in infinity war when he had infinity stones. So he just, I was just like, how come his power level seems to have gone up when he has no, has no infinity stones (laughs) rather than like... You know, like if you think, go back to Infinity War, he had the gauntlet with, I think, four stones when they fought on the planet with the Guardians mm-hmm. and them. And they almost got him and took the gauntlet off of him. Yeah. And then when he gets, oh no, he's missing two stones at that point because uh, he hadn't got the time stone. Yeah, but, the, you know, point, he's the got point's valid. Three. And then when he's on Earth, Thor almost gets him and he had four of the Infinity Stones at that point, everything but Vision. Or, or did he have the full glow? So I don't know. I just like, I'm like, why are they having so many problems with this guy? He should be weaker. Well, I mean, that that is comic books in a nutshell, right? I mean, you have the same villain go against, you know, Daredevil as goes against Iron Man and clearly they should have one of them should have an easier time than the other but uh this is how comics work maybe you know it was 2014 thanos maybe those like uh the the four years from 2014 to 2018 were he pretty detoxed and you know got a got a bow flex and 
<laughs> Anything else I had to, to complain about really were pretty pretty trivial. Things that I thought didn't impact me as much as they did other people, but uh, it's not that they weren't poorly done. They maybe just didn't twig for me. Like Black Widow's death, for me, I don't know. I, I think, honestly, that one just kind of hit me at a low energy point in that three-hour slog. <laughs> that uh, it didn't uh, wasn't quite as impactful as some of the other deaths. Yeah, overall, man, that was that was a pretty fitting awesome avengers movie yeah, it's kind of sad they killed black widow though i've actually really enjoyed her in this and i understand they are still doing a black widow solo movie is in the works and that it's going to be a prequel like sort of origin story which i think is probably the black widow story i wanted anyways mm-hmm. as a solo film less so. less super more spy yeah yeah agreed yeah. so i don't know that you know, again, in terms of picky plot points, if to get the soul stone, you have to give up something you love. If the person you love just intentionally chooses to jump off the cliff, are you really giving up <laughs> something you love? Because you didn't really do anything like, uh, you know, Thanos pushed Gamora off. He got put an end to her. But these two fight to yeah. be the one to jump off. Which one of them is giving up the thing they love? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. And, and in terms of changing the rules. Yeah. Uh, with... Wasn't it at the end of the first Guardians the whole idea that only a celestial or immortal being could touch the Soul Stones? Everybody's touching the the or the Infinity Stones. Everybody's touching the Infinity Stones in this one. <laughs> yeah, but I, you know, I think I think there's a difference between touching and wielding. Uh, you know, I think I don't think people are necessarily like handling them so much as maybe like in you know they're they're holding the gauntlet but they're not wearing the gauntlet they might brush against it but they're not trying to channel it and use it yeah but uh uh red skull Mm -hmm. guardian of the he hands the stone to hawkeye who then just hands Mm -hmm. holds onto it walks away with it when the internal one pops the uh the time stone out of the eye and she just hands it to hulk who takes it and brings it back i was like why are they not like exploding like Star yeah. Lord's face almost did at the end of Guardians? I thought the rule was that only immortals or celestial beings could touch these things. That's but... a good point. That's a good point. My my final uh, nitpick is going to be the inconsistency of the snap effects. Yeah. And this is more just kind of kind of nerdy wanting to think about it than uh, really any complaint about the way it was done in this movie. But you know, I kind of feel like. Uh, I was trying to decide if half the world's population disappeared. Yes, it would be chaos, but I feel like it would get itself sorted pretty quickly. I don't know. I don't know. I think if you took half the world's population, it would probably take out about three quarters of the world's population. Hmm. Just in the ensuing chaos? Yeah, even in the immediate chaos. you got to think about if half of the pilots flying planes in the world disappeared, you're going to lose a lot more people than the half that went with the snap, half the people driving cars on highways. Yeah, I don't know. I think it would take a while to... I didn't have so much a problem with that. (laughs) It was was interesting to think about. I think like that's almost... uh, It reminded me a lot of Why the Last Man, a great long-running comic series about uh, basically an apocalypse where all the men die off and... So that's literally half the population. But I think because I had that background of thinking through all the different scenarios and ways in which that kind of mass instant extinction would uh, affect things was just, yeah, less a nitpick, more something that would have been interesting to explore. All right, I have one kind of storyline thing that 
kind of soured a little bit for me. Okay. So when Tony comes back, yeah, and Stark comes back, he is like such a dick to Captain America. I had this on my list too, and I decided I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna do it. And he was such a dick to him and to everybody else that it kind of spoiled the, the then to what were supposed to be sweet scenes of Tony Stark for me. So then when I saw him with his daughter, like, and taking her back to bed and all that stuff, I was like, you don't deserve that. You were a dick. Yeah. And the same thing when he went back in time and we were supposed to get this whole moment of him with his father, I was still like, yeah, no, you were still a dick. I'm not, I'm not feeling it for you. I know exactly the scene you mean. It's, you know, where, um... Tony kind of chews out Steve for not being there. And I get that, you know, that was kind of, had kind of festered with him and he'd been away all this time. And, you know, it was a very, the way he personally had dealt with it. I could have accepted that if maybe he had kind of in, in reaming out cap, if he'd kind of cathartically come around within that same scene. Yeah. And, you know, we would have realized that, was just him working through things and he had to get it off his chest but because they didn't and they just left it there and he walked away in anger i had the same reaction as you as like what a whiny bitch like why like suck it up like he wasn't he was he had his own crap to deal with you know too bad he wasn't there for you yeah and that as i said kind of threw a fly in the ointment of those two subsequent scenes where you're supposed to feel for him before mm. he eventually dies. By the end, when he died, I was I was back on board that he'd, you know, he'd come around. But I, I just, I don't know. I just felt like I just don't have the, the empathy for you as a result. And therefore, I'm finding these scenes a little long. Yeah, uh, yeah. Although what, uh, the, the one with his dad... The, the dad stuff was meh, but uh, it did have one of, um, we talked about little comic book Easter eggs uh, when his dad uh, talks to the driver and it's Jarvis. calls him Jarvis. Yeah. That was so good. That was yeah, really like that. good. Yeah. Um, I guess Jarvis is a character in uh, Agent Carter, the TV show. I didn't know that, but yeah. 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 It's going to be interesting to see where they go from here. I think uh, I feel sorry for uh black panther and dr strange at having to do uh movies that follow this um it's it's gonna be a tough act to follow i think a lot of the marvel movies um are gonna have a hard time getting out from under the shadow of this but uh, i really look forward to seeing what they have planned for another two or three years or four or five years of movies i think what you've got to do is do the same thing that built this up like every movie doesn't have to be an Avengers movie or a team up movie. So I think that you got to go back and, you know, if I'm the person who, if I'm Kevin Feige, I guess, and the person who arc was the architect of the 22 movie arc that got us to Endgame, somebody's got to have an idea of where the next collection of movies are going to take us and start building it slowly the way they built this one. So I would be totally happy to see a couple of character movies that are just character movies with slight slow burn build, even mm-hmm. in like the, the teasers at the end, uh, the post credit scenes uh, sort of leading us down another path. I'd be happy to see a Black Panther movie that took place in Wakanda and dealt with Wakandan issues. I'd be totally happy to see a Doctor Strange movie that dealt with something in the mystic realm. 
and didn't necessarily have to tie directly into the greater uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe. And to have the same thing happen, that this just convergence that they built in this one. But I think that they can do it best by going away mm-hmm. and then coming back in. Yeah, I, I basically agree with that. I think uh, I, I look forward to seeing what they do because I'm sure they do have some sort of master plan. Um, I'd like to see them maybe rather than this was almost like 20 movies funneling down towards one crescendo um, mm-hmm. in a very kind of focused way. I think it'd be interesting if they do some maybe lighter, smaller events and crossovers over the next couple of years rather than just kind of building to one massive event because uh, i think if they do you know unless every movie over the next few years is really successful i think everything is going to get compared to these last two adventure movies and i think it'd be interesting if they do some smaller team-ups or um you know two or three movie cycles that you know are less less obviously building towards one single point it'd be interesting to see yeah how many movies roughly from the top of the top of your head did it take before we got to avengers maybe At five least. yeah so that's probably a good arc to have them sort of come back together again for sort of the the first of the road because avengers is really uh you know the the you start out with the other characters with the captain america movie the thor movie the iron man movie they all sort of move into this direction mm-hmm. where you hit the avengers and then you get your what turns out now to be the smaller story but which was huge then to see them all together so i think the same kind of thing you build out for a while and then you mm-hmm. come in and hit like why are they all back together again well there's this going on and there's this hint of something in the future and then you 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 build a couple of team up movies as you said with other movies that take you out to the side on the sidelines yeah. again and then but I don't know. I mean, I think you're right. The problem is they'll you'll be compared to this movie that you can do a bunch of the little ones, like the first two Avengers movies. Hopefully, not quite as bad as Age of Ultron, but you know, more in the uh, Civil War and uh, original Avengers movie idea with some smaller stories. But I think if you don't build something big at the end, then you lose out in comparison to what they've done with these ones. Yeah. But that can be another 22 films down the road. Yeah. Hopefully not quite that many. <laughs> I'll be there. Uh, well, I guess one final parting shot, because uh, I think we're approaching uh, 50 minutes here, and uh, it's been a lot of fun to get back online with you, buddy, and uh, chat about our biggest shared love, possibly. Um and one of the biggest events of recent times, but I think uh, one moment that uh, we failed to mention was Avengers Assemble. I think <laughs> yeah. out of all these movies, it kept waiting for that to happen. When that was building, and it was like, Avengers! I leaned over to the kids, and I whispered, Assemble! <laughs> <laughs> spoiler! <laughs> Nano spoiler. Yeah, that uh, um, was good. All right. Well, this has been a lot of fun, buddy. Uh, We'll get this online soon, and next week we've got a lot of catching up to do. That's true, and from this point forward, uh, you'll be able to catch us every week on our website at www.totallysortof.com. I suppose eventually we'll find our way back to the Podbean app, uh, the Google Play Store, and we are in Spotify now. Excellent. All previous episodes. Um, so yeah, if you like what you're hearing, uh, we'd love if you left a rating review, 
Um, we want to thank uh, Kay Bonham Black for our intro song, and we'll get some notes and links up, uh, some of those comic book covers I told you about. Uh, until then, I'm Chris McKinnis. I'm Darren Hogan. And you've been listening to Totally Sort of, the podcast. Talk to you later, buddy. You bet, pal.